In a time where parents have the weight of a thousand decisions on their shoulders and every step is like walking in quicksand, adventure's probably not in your focus. However, research shows families who adventure are more resilient and have significantly healthier minds and bodies. The purpose of this podcast is to help families connect through simple and authentic adventure experiences. Welcome to Ordinary Sherpa, your online community designed to help you connect, reach your summit, and create meaningful adventure experiences with your family. Hello and welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. I'm your host, Heidi Dusick. I am so excited for this episode for several reasons. First, when I recorded this episode, I knew Chris was going to be the person I would want to talk to a month into my gap year. Like, He just has such amazing stories, experiences, perspective on so many different things around both, you know, taking a gap from traditional employment to travel to everyday experiences and living his childhood dreams. So I think this will be a really fascinating episode for all of you. But it also was really fun for me to go back and edit and listen and hear of all the things that we discussed in this episode and just kind of grounded me in the fact that like, yeah, this is, this is what we need to be doing right now. So if you are curious, I know it, last week's episode highlighted week number one of our family gap year. We are actually just about a month in to our gap year. So if you're confused, you're like, wait, you just said you're a month into your family gap year. You, last week was your week one. I'm not going to continue doing diary episodes. Those are strictly for my email list. I just figured it's easier for me to document those things in writing rather than to record and share all of those. So that is through the email list. That link is in the show notes if you want to subscribe to that. It's ordinarysherpa.com backslash subscribe. Again, all those links are always in there. But I think what came from this conversation was that this inspired me to go back and revisit why I started the podcast. And one of the main reasons was to focus on the simple adventures. And you're going to hear more about that. So I am rejuvenating the Everyday Adventure Challenge. And again, the link to sign up for this is in the show notes. But the Everyday Adventure Challenge was really designed as a 60-day challenge to help your family create an adventure list to show up in your own life to create really simple adventures to help your family connect better. And it brings... I mean, it's been the foundational experience for this family gap year. It's, yeah, we're doing big things, but it's the everyday little things that we're doing and the experiences that we're putting on the list and the things that we're trying out that maybe our first time experiences or maybe things we've been curious about trying, but we didn't have necessarily the intention behind them or they just didn't happen all the time back home. So even though I've been practicing what I call the everyday adventure challenge or the seasonal adventure list, if you may, it wasn't necessarily always present in my life. And so I feel pretty strongly about this, that the Everyday Adventure Challenge is just a really great way to bring tips, ideas, and support to help bring your family together. And you'll meet with other families who are participating in this, and they'll share their ideas, their wins, their struggles. So if this sounds interesting, I know we're heading into kind of a lull. March and May, April, it's always hard for me to make it through that transition season. So the challenge will run from March 1st to May 1st, and registration will close February 28th. So all of the details, there'll be a link in the show notes. If you are interested, the Everyday Adventure Challenge might be something you want to check out. But without any further ado, I want to introduce our guest. Chris is a named inventor on over a dozen patents, a musician, a teacher, a husband, and a father. 
As a technologist and an entrepreneur, he has an appetite for innovation, risk, and adventure. Chris spent much of his career trying to get ahead while he made a choice to stop working for money and start working for himself for happiness. You might now find Chris treasure diving in Florida, working as a part-time professor, or writing online at Life Outside the Maze. Chris, I am so excited for this conversation. It was so fun meeting you, but also just excited to continue the conversation. Welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. Thanks, Heidi. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I was really intrigued when we met. I just felt like you're the type of person that's more interesting than talking about money. Like I've just decided talking about money is kind of boring, but I'm kind of curious, what kind of got you into that lifestyle design type of work? You know, what was life like when you embarked on this journey? Sure. I was working in startups. I've kind of got, I spent most of my career developing new products inside corporations, eventually made the jump to startups, both, uh, running my own and working at others. And that's where I found myself. And I was kind of the program director at large for a startup I was working at. We were trying to close a round of financing. And I had an encounter with a venture capitalist that kind of made me think twice about things and and kind of had me change what I was working for. Instead of working for money and kind of trying to get ahead, I uh, I decided to make more of a shift and work for things I thought would make myself happy. Very cool. So what was that kind of stuff? Like, I'm just curious, what what have you, I know this is a big, deep question, so we'll just like peel it back one layer at a time. <laughs> but like, when you started to think about like, I'm going to work for happiness, was that a wake up call? Like, were you feeling like I'm not doing that now? Did you feel like you were out of alignment with what you, what was happy versus money? Absolutely. Yeah. So I don't know how deep to go into this story, but I had an encounter with an investor and he basically told us while we were all sitting around the table trying to uh, get him to invest in our company that his life wasn't going awesome and to enjoy this time starting this company because it was the happiest we'd ever be. And during that time, you know, my wife and I were both working startups. I was extraordinarily stressed. And I just thought to myself, like the happiest I'll ever be. I mean, this is not, this is not happiness. You know, this is, this is stressful and difficult. And, and it kind of had me questioning, you know, how much, how much success is enough? How much money is enough? You know, maybe there's broader things to focus on outside of that. And, and so kind of to answer the the heart of your question, what are those things? What are the happiness components? For me, it was, it was partially about having more time, you know, more time for family, uh, more time to do some of the adventures I'd always wanted to do in life and said I would do someday. And then some personal growth things as well. Very cool. And you had kids at this point? Yeah, this would have been four years ago. Uh, My kids are going on 12 and 14. So maybe do the math 10 and eight. Eight. Yeah. Did it feel... I'm going to go just like parent on you for a second, okay? As a parent, did there there feel like you were being irresponsible? Like this is not what parents do. Parents don't leave their jobs to live a life of happiness. Like did you feel any of that external pressure or external narrative that you were working against? I mean, I did. So there's one piece of this that's just like hard financials, you know, am I in a position where where we can do this? We generally spend way beneath our means, had been growing savings for quite some time. And so 
you know, just like at a base level, we had some, some safety net there, you know, some uh, emergency fund. But then there's also the social aspect, right? And yeah, mm-hmm. especially in that environment, if you're not pursuing the next big thing in startup land, uh, they call it sitting on the shelf, like you're just kind of hanging around doing nothing. And so certainly there's a lot of pressure, you know, to do more there. So yeah, I mean, I think there's two pieces of it, the social and then the reality of the finances. Yeah. And I know just in our conversations, you had, I don't want to call it a bucket list because now it's like the anti-bucket list life, right? (laughs) Where you just like, I just want to enjoy life. But what were some of the things when you talk about happiness being like time for family, time for adventure, personal growth in that first, if you can go back to maybe your first year or first six months, what were some of the things that you really wanted to experience? You wanted to feel in that initial phase? Sure. I mean, so they range from the really simple to the just like childhood dream sort of stuff. And on the really simple side, I remember that first month and just, I had a list of things I wanted to do, you know, like I wanted to, there was a cave I had always driven by on the way to work and I saw it up on the hillside and I wanted to kind of explore that cave. I had gotten a paddleboard from my wife for a gift and I had hardly used it and I wanted to just paddleboard more. And so the really simple side of things was, be able to do some of that paddleboarding. I went and explored that cave. I would, uh, you know, grill myself a burger at noon on a Tuesday. I would be there for the kids when they got home from school and try to try to be more present with them. So ask ask better questions, know what's going on in their lives. And then um, on the other side, just kind of the more like childhood dreams side of things, you know, there were a number of travel pieces I had always wanted to do. And some adventures as well. So like as a kid, I I don't know if I watched too many Indiana Jones movies as a kid, but I always kind of <laughs> wanted to like be an archaeologist. I always wanted to dive for sunken treasure. I always wanted to, and maybe this is this is probably a more male thing, but I always wanted to know how to like how to fight, like how to protect myself if I encountered some shady character in a back alley. And so that was one of the other things I did kind of coming out of this and starting to live a little differently is I I took up Muay Thai as well and kind of learned some of that. Let's talk about being an archaeologist for a second. How did you decide like, okay, now I'm going to do this. Where did you begin? How If I want to be an archaeologist, like how would I support someone who wants to explore this childhood dream? That's a great question. Um, I always had this naive view that archaeologists what it, like it was a job you could major in it you would uh somehow magically get funding and then you would just you know dig up all of these uh, ancient relics and learn about ancient peoples and and it's just going on all over the world the reality is a lot different the reality is archaeologists really isn't one discipline right it's it's knowing about history it's knowing about geology it's all, it's all these things and there's no money in it and so um <laughs> the people doing it, it's a labor of love. And so, yeah, the way I got involved and ended up uh, doing this adventure was I looked around and I said, okay, I live here in Colorado. What's something local I could do? We've got a lot of fossils and, and dinosaurs around this area. Actually, just south of where I live is where the first Triceratops was found in the world. And so... I went down to a local museum, just talked to someone there and started talking about this desire to do a dig of some sort. 
and uh, he got me in touch with uh, an affiliate museum in um, in Wyoming, and just kind of through calling around, talking to people, having conversations, I got involved and and did a dig as a volunteer, right? And and learning all the things that go along with that. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Okay, now can we dig on this deep sea diving or diving for treasure? <laughs> How does one be, it feels like you're like a pirate or something. How does one start diving for treasure? I'm just fascinated by the things that you came up with in your childhood dreams because I'm like, these aren't the typical like, go see some wonder of the world, right? These are like actual experiences. So forgive me if I'm like prying too deep. I'm genuinely curious. How does someone go deep sea diving for treasure? No, go deep. And there's a nice pun there. You <laughs> digging deeper and going deep. When I was a kid, I saw a video about a wreck called the Atosha. And it was on like PBS. And in this video, they were hauling up pallets full of uh, silver bars. And I was like, wow, there's these shipwrecks out there in the sea that actually have sunken treasure in them. And it was, I would always like draw pictures as a kid and everything. And I thought it was so cool. I took up scuba diving as a teenager and somewhere in the back of my head, I was always like, man, it would be cool to, to dive for sunken treasure someday. Well, then like fast forward many years later, I found out that there's actually thousands of shipwrecks right off the coast of Florida. It's kind of like one of the premier areas in the world and it's right off of my own, my own country off the coast. And so I I started Googling around and finding people that were doing this and then called up someone who was involved. I called a phone number I found on a website and I happened to get a hold of the guy. He was out walking his dog. We ended up talking for about an hour just about sunken treasure. Um, and wow. And then kind of uh, over a course of a few phone calls, I ended up going down there to Florida. I attended a sort of workshop that him and some other uh, treasure hunters were running on kind of how to find wrecks, how to take care of things you find, how to map a site. And then eventually they let me sign on to uh, an active project and I, I went out and dove. I don't know. It's, a, it's one of those things that it, when you tell people, they either look at you like, that's pointless and crazy, or they look at you like that's the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, it's a great story. And like, how many people have done that, right? It's just very different. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I'll tell you when I, after all of the preparation, I had to learn how to not just dive, but kind of do underwater archaeology of sorts. And so kind of like after all the preparation and after all the conversations and waiting for the weather to clear, when I finally jumped in and found myself on the bottom and turned on my metal detector, you know, and started poking around, I just, I got like the biggest smile on my face. I actually almost like choked because I was smiling so big that water was getting in around my regulator. <laughs> but yeah, super fun. And I think we all have these things, like things unique to you, you know, that other people might think are weird or what have you, but they mean a lot to you personally. And that's how it was for me. And so like all of these things, even today, like talking to you about it. And every time I think back on it, it just like brings a huge smile to my face, like pure joy. So yeah. yeah. A lot of fun. Very cool. Do you still do it? Are you still actively involved in archaeology and 
deep sea diving or treasure hunting? I am. Um, actually, this last summer, the boat, uh, the engine had some issues. And so we were, uh, we were landbound. But uh, next uh, summer, I plan to go back again and work with the same guys. Interesting. Yeah. So one time, the only like experience I have that's somewhat similar to that is I won essentially scuba diving lessons and I was like all stoked. I was I was so excited. I walked around with the face mask that I won in the like in the silent auction for the rest of the night at the party. Like I was so stoked. I wanted everybody to know like, no, I'm going to go scuba diving. This is so exciting. And we took lessons and my husband couldn't like clear his airways. So I decided I was like, well, I, I just signed up for this to do it with my husband. I don't really have a desire personally to do it. But at the same time, every time I fly over Lake Michigan, there are a ton of sunken ships in Lake Michigan. And I often fly into Milwaukee. So I see them often and think, you know, maybe I should go do that. Maybe I should do it without him, even though he can't clear his air. Maybe I should just go explore that because that just seems fascinating. And it feels like, you know, Titanic-ish. Like there's got to be something in there that's just interesting stories to tell, right? So... I think it's interesting and I love hearing the fact that you're still doing it. Well, thanks. And and yeah, absolutely. I mean, you mentioned those wrecks uh, in the Great Lakes. It's funny. We know more about the surface of the moon than we do the bottoms of our oceans. So much of it remains unexplored. And so I think there's a piece of this that's exciting just because it's, it's exploration, right? And mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot of new frontiers left on the earth these days. And so I think that makes it fun. This was now like year one you explored, and obviously those things are extending. Have you, I don't want to say like outgrown, but have you put some to rest and, and recycling new ones? Or what, is, what does it look like this year? What does life outside the maze look like for you and your family this year? Yeah, good question. I mean, it's hard to talk about this year without talking about my, uh, my medical issue. I did, uh, if I could just go through kind of the years, uh, that first year after making the change was just a lot of adventures and we covered some of them. Second one, a lot of that continued, a lot more travel, a lot more family time. And then somewhere in the end of the second, beginning of the third year, I got uh, cancer and um, that dominated, uh, that dominated the whole next year. And it certainly gave me a new perspective on, you know, on adventure and the things I appreciate in life. And so going into this year, things look a lot different for me. I mean, I'm just, I'm just happy, you know, I'm just happy to be here and to be healthy and, Mm -hmm. and to be able to spend time with, you know, my wife and my kids and, uh, and all of that. So, I, I mean, I think there's like, I think there's levels of happiness here, you know, and like at the base, you've got, you, you want health, right? You want time. Uh, you want some form of security, whether that's financial or just personal being safe, being free, you know, and then if you've got all that, there's a whole nother level of it, which probably includes some of these fun adventures. It includes the relationships in my life it includes kind of balancing some routines with some exploration and all of that. And so I think, yeah, coming out of this big health thing, I'm thinking a lot more about those basic things. I hope to keep the gratitude as long as possible because Mm -hmm. when you come out of some serious health thing like that, 
man, I'm just grateful to be here all the time. And uh, the longer I can hold on to that, the better. Yeah. Oh, Chris, that's really insightful. And I think sometimes um, it's easier to see the things that you're grateful for when you've had a severe moment like you've had, whether it be adversity through a health issue or just, you know, something major that happens in your life. And I think sometimes that's usually the wake up call for a lot of people. I'm excited to hear that you were exploring these things prior to that and have seen kind of pre-cancer, post-cancer life you know, that you took the initiative long before the cancer diagnosis to start living and enjoying life for happiness and didn't wait for the cancer diagnosis. Does that make sense? I don't know that part of me is inspired by that piece that you you oh, took yeah. the initiative and you had those experiences prior to cancer and you didn't wait. Because I think often I talk to people who like, oh, you're living my dream life and now they get cancer or they have something severe happen in their life and realize, I can't live the dream life I had anymore, you know, and they're almost resentful on the previous life. So I'm, I'm really excited to hear that you've had both. Yeah, I will. There's a lot there that you touched on. One is, yeah, when this thing came up and in the early days when I didn't know what my, what my odds were, I took so much comfort in the fact that I had done some of these things I'd always wanted to do that I made a change in the focus in my life, you know, it's so easy to get caught up in the everyday, in the building security, you know, you're building uh, finances, you're building a home um, with your kids and spouse. But the truth is that, you know, there is no security, right? We all know that there's a ticking clock there. And of course, the cancer was a huge reminder for me, but it's true for everyone. And so I guess that would be one of my messages is, Fitting these things into your life is easier and cheaper than it feels. And I could talk more about that. But going into the health situation, you know, with the cancer, I was just, I was so happy that I had done a lot of these things. And I was so happy that I had more time to be more present with family before it happened. One thing I'll say about, you know, we've talked about, both the simple things like exploring the cave or going paddleboarding and some of the bigger, crazier childhood dreams, right? Like, like treasure diving or, or digging for dinosaurs. All of those things, one of the things I found when I left my sort of traditional work and started working on some of these other things is that money was not really the barrier. I always thought like, oh, these things you know, taking the money and the time off is going to be impossible, especially with family. I found that it was more about having the the space to plan things and putting the intention behind it. So like, like the, the dinosaur dig, you know, all in, it cost me less than a thousand dollars to do that one. These things, you know, it's not like, well, here's a good example is I, remember Googling like bucket lists online and what are people's biggest bucket list items. And one of them was, I'd love to see the Northern lights. And <laughs> I mean, I think about that and it's like seeing the Northern lights is free, you know, it just go there. Or another one is like, you know, dance in the rain. Like how easy is that one? Just, yeah. just 
put the intention behind it, go outside, put on some headphones and go nuts with it, start dancing. Most of these things are more about just focus rather than, you know, winning the lottery or needing some grand thing in your life. Yeah, there's a lot there too that I want to keep unpacking because I think there's, that is the basis of, well, in, in most people have followed my journey and I'm obviously, you know, embarking on a gap year here in a couple of days. And it feels like what got us here wasn't the money, right? It was an intention. It was practicing simple things in our backyard that made me realize like we can do this anywhere. Like we don't have to be here. We just need more time together. We need more space to be within proximity to each other. You know, it's really hard to do things as a family when we're all going different directions. So we needed that intention to bring us closer together in proximity. Sure. And, you know, having some practice and just those simple everyday adventures was the cornerstone to us saying like, we can do this. The money part feels easy. And like you said, it's not that expensive. Every When we started to put together our budget, I realized it was like, this isn't going to cost that much. I think the biggest fear is like, being on the shelf for a for a year. It's like, well, what is that going to mean? We'll figure that out when we get back. But so much of it wasn't about the money. And yet that's what I think a lot of people put up as like, oh, I can't afford it. I don't have the time. But having the intention and the practice behind it, you build some confidence too. And yeah, I think that piece there that you mentioned is just that intention. A lot of these things are free. Like just do them. What are you waiting for? Yeah. Well, and I would say you know, this, there's certainly a fear, like you're mentioning a gap year or taking off some work. And there's this fear, like, is my resume going to look horrible? Am I going to have a gap? I mean, I'll say after leaving, after leaving my role, I've gotten offer after offer Mm -hmm. from people. And so I, I think that fear is natural, but I don't think it's as big of a deal as, as a lot of folks think it is. And the other piece I would say is we're all human. You know, everyone, everyone has those things they'd love to do. And so I think getting some of those experiences, you know, when you're, when you're looking to get another job and you start sharing those details, I think it shows that you're a person that takes life into their own hands, you know, and it's a positive. People get inspired by it. It can be a benefit as opposed to a negative. Yeah. I want to come back to, you know, fitting things in to your life is easier and cheaper than it feels. I think we've touched on that. But is there any other piece of that you that you think um, as you started to explore, it sounds like once you had the space to really dig in, plan it, put an intention behind it, you realized, oh, I don't need a ton of money to do this. I just needed the time and the space. Is that kind of what your finding was in, in really exploring these, both the simple and the childhood dream adventures? Yeah, I'll I'll add to that and say, I think I mentioned a little bit earlier in our chat that I did a number of travels um, as well. And so like we did some pretty crazy trips to Hawaii and Spain and things like that. I've also done some things like, you know, just take a trip down to Mesa Verde with the kids in the car, uh, you know, go out camping and things like that. And what I want to say between these two is some are some are more expensive, right? Like Hawaii is pretty expensive. Taking the kids, throwing them in the back of the car and with a tent and driving down to a, a national park is virtually free. It's something like $50 a day, you know? And really what I'll say about it is the way you feel is more important than the grandiosity of the adventure. And so 
I mean, there are days where we are sitting around the campfire on some of our road trips or doing laundry in a bathtub somewhere in South Dakota that were super fun with, with my kids and even more fun than being at some fancy resort mm -hmm. in Hawaii. And so it's what you make it. Certainly going to an amazing place or doing something amazing makes it easier to have that internal feeling. But I'll give one other example is we went to Costa Rica. I took the boys horseback riding. We saw a volcano somewhere on that trip. We just went for a walk into the woods and found a rope swing by a river. And when I asked my kids at the end of that trip, what was your favorite part? Both of them said that rope swing at the river, you know, <laughs> and why was it fun? We were all together. It was the, the laughing and the time shared. It's so funny. I have had very similar experiences, you know, whether it be just outside the Badlands where we had just seen these like amazing, majestic things. The kids remember the jokes that this Night Sky guy told at the programming, like that we went to a Night Sky program and the jokes that they told were funny. Like that, that's funny. I think that's hilarious. But also the rocks that we found at our campsite. I didn't know I needed to plan and book campsites based on rocks, you know, of what we would find. We've had a number of experiences like that. And, and one last summer in Jasper, in Jasper National Park in Canada, you know, it would have been, a, by my standards, a bad day, right? The toilet broke in the RV, right? Not ideal. We were stuck. You know, the kids, I was nervous. Like, how am I going to entertain three kids while my husband goes to like get this part 90 miles away so he can fix the toilet? Like, not pleasantries. Like the toilet breaking in an RV is not a good scenario. And that's the day the kids remember the most because they got to play on the creek. They may, and you're going to hear it in an upcoming episode, actually. I don't know which one's going to air first, my kids or you, but you'll hear their stories. Like this is what they remember about our family adventures is like, remember that day we were stuck at the stream at our campsite and we played like, I don't even know, like they loved being independent, exploring their own thing, having time together. It was what I thought was stuck was completely different in their perspective. So I do think what you feel is more experienced than what you plan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could go on all day about this. I think I have countless examples of this, but I think it's, it's totally true. Oh, I love it. I love it. And I think that is maybe why I've leaned to this idea of an, I'm not like, against bucket list. Because if that's what gets you off the couch, or if that's what gets you going, and that's your intention, I'm not anti, you know, against that. But I feel like sometimes we put all these things on a list, and we feel like that's going to be the thing. And I don't know if those have ever been my highlights of my life, right? And like, I, I just want people to enjoy life. I want them to realize the things that are around you every day are as important as that random thing you put on the list. And like you said, some of those things are free. Like you don't, what are you waiting for? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm a little like too, like, let's go. Like, what are you waiting for? Do you ever find that when you're talking with people? Like, yeah, so just go do it. Yeah. I think people have asked me what thing that you've done, what one thing since you made a, a choice to kind of change the way you're living has been the most impactful and kind of brought you the most happiness. And I don't think that's the right way to look at it because it's not one thing. It's more just like, this is a cheesy metaphor, but I liken it to a river of experiences that are kind of going by. And it just feels good to be able to dip your cup in and take some of those, you know, whether they are that awesome day with your kids when the, when the RV broke down, <laughs> or whether it's some, you know, super blowout vacation. 
it's more holistic for me. It's more the benefit, the happiness piece has come in that I've been able to dip my cup into the stream. I've experienced a lot of these adventures of different kinds. And there's a component of getting over it. When you're feeling stressed and overworked or you're feeling like, you know, all your time goes to the kids if you're a stay-at-home parent, it feels like you're putting off all of this stuff. When you make space for it and start to do it, it's almost like you can get over it and live your life in a more relaxed way. So that's been the big benefit. It's not one experience. It's, it's that change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I am also curious as we, you know, you've done a lot of things. There's a piece of me because I feel like I'm embarking on a dream year, right? I'm kind of living my dream. I, this is everything that I was hoping to work. To. You know, we've been working towards this for a long time. Uh-huh. Or do you ever feel like scared that you're giving your kids too many experiences? Like, I think maybe we should have a couple struggles so they learn to appreciate all the amazing things that we're able to do as a family. I don't know. Is that a rational question to even, is it making sense what I'm trying to ask? Because sometimes I feel like, yeah do I have to like do it all this year and then what's next? Right. And and I'm trying not to look at what's next and just appreciate this year and allow it to happen without feeling like worrying, thinking, whatever the feeling is that I attach to the future. Yeah. I think, well, the piece of that that resonates with me the most is, okay. So my wife and I, we, you know, we both worked really hard in our careers early on before we had kids and we saved up a lot of what we earned, you know, over half of what we earned just went into a bank account and into investments. And so, you know, that put us in a much better place later in life. We also both didn't come from a lot of money. My wife, especially, I don't think she traveled outside of the state until she was at least a teenager. And me as a kid, we didn't do a whole lot. Now we find ourselves in this situation where you know, for our own kids, we're doing a lot of this stuff. And there is this concern of like, you know, we don't want the kids to live some life of luxury or get some unrealistic view of how how the world is. I think it's really nice to have a balance. And, you know, coming back to what we talked about, how it can be just as fun to do a more ordinary experience as some really huge blowout. I try to mix those things in with the kids. And so, you know, yes, we did do a road trip where we camped every day, often in national forest land. So it was totally free. We did our own laundry. We brought all of our food in a cooler. I did some stuff where I would say, okay, we have, you know, $40 to spend today. How are we going to spend it? You know, some of it's going to be on food. If there's something that costs admission, that'll eat up all of our money. And so we've done some stuff like that. We've also taken them on trips to Hawaii where we went out on a boat and snorkeled, you know, with uh, manta rays. And, and those are obviously a lot more expensive. And so I think I try to have the discussions with them and mix in both kinds of things to say, one, you can be creative in how you do adventure. And two, understand that this stuff is the product of a lot of work, you know, that my wife and I put in. Um, It doesn't just happen. Yeah. I think both of those are really good lessons to share with your kids, engaging them both in the discussion, but also setting the example, right? That this isn't just 
luxury 24 seven. I hope so. You know, you only get one shot. I wish you could A and B test this stuff over and over. <laughs> but it's a challenge of parenting, right? Spoken like a true product developer. No. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Chris, this has been so fascinating. I've really enjoyed just getting to know you more, hearing more about your story, but also reading some of the material on your blog. Do you want to share a little bit more about where people might find more of your story, where they can dig in deeper, deep inside your thoughts and experiences and what you've documented online? Sure. Um, so yeah, I when I made the change about four years ago that I mentioned, I started kind of putting it all online at lifeoutsidethemaze.com. I don't write on there as much anymore, but it's all there and it kind of chronicles a lot of the learnings and and the stuff. Um, I also love to talk to others and help in any way I can. And so I can be reached at uh, via email. My email is just me at lifeoutsidethemaze.com. Yeah. And that'll be in the show notes. And we didn't even chat about, I mean, you're just an interesting person in general. Like, we haven't chatted about your musician history and some of the other things you've embarked on now teaching part-time, correct? Is that what you're doing as a hobby or as an interest of yours? Yeah, yeah. sort of part-time adjunct professor at the university here in town. Yeah. It is, you're right. There's a whole lot there and it's, I don't know how to, uh, how to box up a personal story in kind of a nice little package. Um, <laughs> But yeah, we've we've talked about some fun things. There's so much more we could chat about too. Yeah, yeah, exciting, very fun. Is there anything that you wanted to share that I didn't ask you about that you think would be beneficial for my listeners? My big message of the year coming out of cancer is that the things we worry about most in life don't matter. And the things that we take for granted are all that do. And the things we take for granted are time and health to spend with the people you love. The things we worry about so much tend to be the small things like, am I going to be able to fit in this trip to the grocery store? This thing is keeping me up at night. Will my son make the soccer team? Uh, stuff like that. And, you know, my big learning coming out of this is none of that matters. And you just see that in such a an obvious way when you go go through a health challenge and so uh try to be present treasure the time you have and make time to do some of these things with those people you love that's fantastic thank you so much for that i really appreciate our conversation chris i think this is a message not only that you're living by example but it's such an inspiration i've really appreciated your story and the fact that you're willing to share it with us so thank you so much for joining us today for willing to be vulnerable and share your story but also the lessons learned along the way i really appreciate it i appreciate you thanks heidi and likewise i'm excited to uh follow along as you embark on this adventure with, with the family as well. I was so excited about this conversation. <laughs> and before I get into the key takeaways, I want to just mention that I too found that the metric that was really important after we kind of work through all the stuff was joy. And I discuss it pretty extensively, actually, in my book. So if you want to deep dive there, I think it was interesting. If you're kind of like, how, how did he get there? I'll at least share how I got there and some of the metrics behind it and how I, you know, how I uncovered that. But I think secondly, is this basis of his learning that the significance 
simple everyday things, things you've been curious about or things that you've been longing for that just never showed up in your life. I think that simplicity is really, it's accessible. And I hope that you get that from this message. Again, I'll highlight that. But I do think the Everyday Adventure Challenge has been a really, even if you don't take the challenge, I think just focusing on everyday adventures has been so foundational to our gap year. And so, yes, we are doing a few grand things and everybody thinks we're living like this bucket list life. We are actually living a pretty simple life. And it's the simplicity that's bringing us together and allowing us to embark on this adventurous lifestyle dream of ours. So I just wanted to put that in context as I kick off the key takeaways of which there are 10 for this episode. Number one, as Chris was in a critical career meeting, he reflected on some advice and thought, this isn't happiness. This is stressful and difficult. How much stress is enough? Today, happiness looks like time for family, more time for adventures, and personal growth. Number two, adventures ranged from simple stuff like exploring a nearby cave he was curious about, paddleboarding more and picking up the kids after school, asking better questions and trying to be more present with them, but also having and experiencing his childhood dreams. For example, being an archaeologist, diving for sunken treasure, and how to fight. Number three, to begin living his childhood dream, it started by reaching out to a local museum, calling a phone number on a website, being curious, and not being afraid to ask questions. Find people doing the things that you are interested in and make the call, make the connection. Number four, your dreams are unique to you, which is what makes them special. It doesn't matter if it's weird to anyone else. If the experience makes you smile, then it's worth it. Number five, money wasn't the barrier to doing most of these adventures. It was having the space to plan and then putting an intention behind it. Like Chris mentioned, in the dinosaur dig, it was less than $1,000 all in. And many times, items on the bucket list are free. Putting the intention behind it and taking action is the key to moving forward. Number six, the way you feel is more important than the grandiosity of the experience. Number seven, the greatest impact of this lifestyle isn't one thing. It's a holistic river of experiences that I get to dip my cup into, cited Chris. Number eight, living an adventurous life with kids He's mindful that he doesn't want his kids to think that they live a life of luxury or have some distorted worldview. By balancing the big with the simple, adventures encourages them to be creative in how they adventure and also recognize that this is the product of hard work. Number nine, Chris has countless examples where in the midst of some grandiose experience, it was the simple thing, like the free rope swing in Costa Rica, that that's what the kids remember. And number 10, as a reflection coming out of cancer, the things we worry about the most aren't the things that matter. Again, I hope you found value from this episode. I found you, I hope you found a key takeaway that you can apply to your life. If you need help on this journey, feel free to hit me up. Send me a message. However, whichever format works for you, maybe you want to join the community. Maybe you want to have a more intimate conversation with me. I don't know that everybody even knows all the things I offer. So the Everyday Adventure Challenge is out there. If you want to follow the Gap Year Adventure, that is out there. But if you want a personal consultation too, I do offer that as well. So reach out to me, have a conversation, take the next step and do the thing that brings your dreams to life. Until next week, keep on adventuring, be brave and keep going. If you found value from today's show, here are three easy ways you can support us. 
subscribe to Ordinary Sherpa Podcast on the platform you're listening to. It lets the providers know that you're getting value from the show and want to be around when we release additional content. If you feel compelled, leave us a review. Two, find your friends, family, and others you think would enjoy this show and share this episode. Three, and most importantly, join the community of families interested in creating authentic experiences through simple adventures by going to OrdinarySherpa.com backslash community. We want to hear from you and create content that would benefit your family. Thanks for joining us on this journey as we help families connect through adventure.